Ever wondered what Pepsi, Coca-Cola and 7up all had in common? We start to scratch the surface of how technology can help you market your 21st century pharmacy. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to start building your smarter, more successful 21st century pharmacy before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours. Episode 18, coming up right your way. And what a big episode we're going to have. I'm sure a few of you are scratching your head wondering, what does Pepsi, Coca-Cola and 7up all have in common? Well, I'm not going to tell you because I think you're going to get a very big clue from our interview coming up with Scott Maitland in the not-too-distant moments. However, the first person to email me at rszcar at farmactive.com.au with the correct answer of what all three of those companies have in common will get themselves a ticket to the book launch, all-inclusive of everything. So I'm going to talk about that in a moment, but the first email I get with the correct answer, that ticket's coming your way. I've got a lot to talk about with that now. We've got a venue locked in. We're August 14th. We're going to be at the Melbourne Convention Centre. So for those of us who prefer to call it Jeff's Shed, uh, that's where we're going to be. We're going to be there at for a 7.15 start, and the event will start at 7.30. So what you're going to get... It is going to be a ticketed event and they are going to be limited. We only can seat up to about 100 people at this point in time. We may have the opportunity to increase that, but please book early to avoid disappointment. The invitations will come out probably next week. And as I promised in last week's show, there will be an exclusive booking period for listeners to this show. So if you're listening, you're in the right place, you're in the box seat to make sure that you can be there if you are in Melbourne. As I mentioned, and I won't give this away just yet, there is a very special way for those of us who are interstate or international, and welcome to our global listeners. We're now in 38 countries, so thank you to Slovenia and Slovakia for being our last two countries to come on board as well. <clears throat> so what we're going to get is a ticket to the event, and I can tell you the price in a probably an episode time, our price will be less than a typical breakfast that you're going to have. So we're going to be packing a lot of value into the day. You're going to get a signed, personalized copy of the book from me. You're going to get a keynote presentation from me for probably about 45 minutes, not too long. Just enough time for you to finish your breakfast. We're going to have some special guests that are going to need no introduction to you at all. And to top it off, we're going to be welcoming you with a barista-made espresso coffee as you come in. So don't buy a coffee on the way in. We're going to have plenty of that. You can take one away at the end of the event as well. There's no restrictions on how many you can have. You can load yourself up as much as you want. Obviously, caffeine something to get us started, but we don't want to overdo it. Your parking will be included. So it's going to be a great event as well and uh, hopefully be a good morning get us a couple of hours away and uh, we can, uh, yeah, hopefully get transformation well 
up and going as well and you can get hold of that book and start getting stuck into that as well. I'm sure you'll enjoy a lot of the content that goes in there. A lot of our listeners have asked me, you're putting so much content into the podcast, so what could possibly be in the book? Well, you won't be disappointed. Um, I do elaborate a lot more than we can do in our short podcast shows. I know that we do get up to sometimes an hour, but we pack in an interview, a micro transformation, and a few other things. So you will be surprised, and particularly the online workbook, I think you're going to get a lot of value out of as well, because it really is going to help guide you step by step through those transformation steps of education, discovery, partnership and also optimization as well. So I think you're going to love it. I can't wait to bring it to you. I just uh, signed off my last edit with my editor today. So we're going to print in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully I'll have some images that I can throw up on the blog site and attach to this podcast as well. You can start to get a feel of how it's all looking and how it's going and uh, might even uh, give you a little sample as well. So look forward to bringing that to you and I can't wait to give you some more details. Our interview today is with Scott Maitland. He's not a pharmacist, but he is the former owner, together with his former partner, of Live Oak Pharmacy in Austin, Texas, US. For those of us who have been connected with PCCA Australia, they've been long heralded as one of the marketing champions of the pharmacy world, as we'll find out in the interview. But these days, Scott is the president of Tacit Almonds and the publisher of Pharmacy Marketing Quarterly, and believes that pharmacists are the best healthcare providers and just wants to spread that message anywhere he can get it. Scott Maitland, welcome to The Transformation Show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, look, great to have you. And um, as our listeners will no doubt pick up quite quickly, um, you are from the US, um, Austin, Texas. Um, so Scott, um, can you tell our listeners, um, you know, how you got involved in pharmacy? You're not a pharmacist, um, but you know, why you feel so passionately about the industry. And uh, again, also why you believe pharmacists are probably one of the best healthcare professionals in the world. Sure, absolutely. So my, my passion for pharmacy came actually uh, being a little boy, I hated going to the drugstore uh, because my mom always would chit chat with the pharmacist and it felt like it just, we were there forever. And she would say to me, Scott, your pharmacist is your best friend. They know more about your medication than anybody else. And I just assumed that everyone got this message. Um, incidentally, she also told me that you could only get milk in the state of Wisconsin because it's the dairy state and you couldn't, couldn't get soda pop there. She wasn't <laughs> right about that one, but she was right about pharmacists. and. Um, like I said, I just assumed that everyone got this message growing up and uh, flash forward, I was actually dating a pharmacist for a long time and that's kind of what brought me back to the fold and I was really surprised to learn that when I would talk to friends about pharmacists and pharmacy, I would say, hey, when you get a prescription, do you talk to the pharmacist and get a consult? And almost all of them said, no, I never do. And that just struck me as super odd because I would say back to them, you realize they're like the only healthcare provider that's going to talk to you for free. Yeah. And their response back would be, you know, I never really thought of it that way. And that was kind of like the aha moment for me. And that's that in the United States anyway, people don't think of pharmacists as healthcare providers. In fact, I don't think they really know what a pharmacist does. Uh, and, and owning Live Oak Pharmacy, uh, one of the things that I, that I saw my pharmacist do was if a patient came in and said, you know, I'm not really comfortable with taking this drug, I'm worried about the side effects, his response would be, well, do you want me to call up the doctor and see if I can't make a recommendation? And they'd be flabbergasted 
you can do that. That's exactly what a pharmacist does. That's one of the things a pharmacist does is they work as a, a source of education, knowledge, and communication between the patient and the prescriber. And so that just got me really excited to uh, you know, build up Live Oak Pharmacy, build up the social presence, and really focus on the number one message is that a pharmacist is a healthcare provider. Come in, ask your questions. We've got answers. If we don't, we'll find out for you. Absolutely, and I suppose to give uh, give our listeners a little bit of a back backstory to it, um, I, I chose to um, contact Scott um, around um, Live Oak because um, there was a number of um, PCCA events um, for those of us who aren't familiar, the Professional Compounding Association and um, the branch up in Sydney, and um, Live Oak was um, always spoken about in very high regard with its ability and superior level of marketing, um, particularly around customization and personalization around compounding and um, yeah what our, our focus today will be around um, you know finding why um, why social media was so important to that and um, you know Scott uh, as you would have picked up is not a pharmacist but in the US uh, you can have pharmacies when you're not a pharmacist so it'll be a good insight. Absolutely you know when we started so Live Oak Pharmacy actually was built from the ground up. The space that we originally used for the the pharmacy wasn't built out. There wasn't even drywall up in the in the space. And so we started contracting in November, but with Thanksgiving uh, and then Christmas and then New Year's, it just took much longer for the build out than we originally anticipated. So there were about six months of kind of waiting for the store to open. But my job was as as marketer and and PR and and promoting so I got on and created a Facebook page for Live Oak Pharmacy and would get up there and, and go in and take pictures of the space as it was being built out. We'd share the different fixtures we were thinking about purchasing, post the different colors of the pharmacy that we were thinking about painting it, um, the colors of the scrubs that people were going to be wearing, explaining that you know the pharmacist wore brown and the technicians were going to wear green and all that tie that into the tree logo and really just engage people so that by the time we opened, people asked where the original location was. And I looked at them and I'm like, what do you mean the original location? And they <laughs> said, well, where's your other location? I'm like, there's only one location. And they said, well, I, I could have sworn that I've known about you for a really long time. And in that six months, we built up a really strong community so that we had a built-in audience that thought they knew us better than they actually did, mm. which was great. Um, and so I just realized I was onto something here and continued it. Now, one of the things that we did, uh, our tagline at the pharmacy was customized for your health. And so we would focus on things about not just the health of you, the individual, but the health of our community. And so we would use social media to talk about other things that were going on in the community. So movies in the park or uh, an event that had uh, pet adoptions or... Um, a business that we partnered with that was maybe having a sale and really wanted to be that resource uh, to let people know that we're not just here to answer your health and wellness questions, but we're here to answer questions about the community as well. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, again, you know, we, we, we may have our, some of our motivated pharmacy owners who are looking to start up pharmacies. Obviously, that t- that tends to be few and far between in our, in our country. But, you know, to establish that community in your initial communication strategy is just so important to... Uh, to get right so when when you obviously went went live you had that community um did you use any offline marketing as well as the online as well we did do a little advertising um and we did do a lot we did some online advertising but what i found was more valuable was to connect with the local media and let them know that we could be a resource for them as well uh, and sending out press releases whenever there was something important going on. So, for example, there was at one point a recall on children's Tylenol. And so we contacted all the news media outlets to let them know that, A, this was going on. B, we uh, were part of a um, drug disposal system so that people that had expired medications or medications they didn't need anymore, we would be able to uh, take those and get rid of them in an eco-friendly manner to let parents know if they had children's Tylenol, they could bring it to us, we could take care of it, but that we also had a generic equivalent of it that was made from a different manufacturer that was not recalled by the, the FDA. And so we found ways to, to basically be a resource because I found that, and I think this is no matter whether you're in the United States or in Australia, the media is always looking for, every, everyone's looking for content, but the media in particular, and if you've got a good story, um, and you can share it with them and let them know that you're the resource, they're going to keep coming back to you because they know that they can count on you. Yeah, look, absolutely. And um, our listeners will be, certainly be aware that a couple of episodes ago, we, I spoke about um, Facebook pages and um, you know, one observation that I found is a lot of us already have Facebook pages and uh, we're probably not maximizing the benefit and getting that message out there. And it really is about framing excellent content that we would already be doing more than likely in our physical stores, whether that be newsletters, whether it be um, through our um, banner groups and so forth. But um, in in social media, Scott, um, you know, what, what have you found is the best way to you know get that hybrid environment happening? That you know, obviously, to try and get that experience um, quite um, homogenous across you know physical and digital. Yeah. So I think the most important thing is is realizing that. Social media marketing isn't really different from any other type of marketing. It needs to be thought out and planned. And so what I would recommend for anybody would be to, at the 15th of the month, start thinking about what's going to happen next month and begin plotting out what's the theme. So um, here in the United States, you know, in July, we've got 4th of July coming up. So it's Independence Day. Um, a lot of the folks that I work with are independent pharmacy owners. It's Celebrate Independence Month. And so I would look at creating a theme that relayed all across that. Um, I would recommend that you guys do the same thing. So pick a theme and then create an Excel spreadsheet. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. And put in every day of the week uh, along the, the vertical and across the horizontal. Start putting in what you think you want to be promoting, what you want to be sharing, I would look to see what holidays are coming up or civic events are coming up and start putting those in there and craft your messages ahead of time yeah. so that you have a plan. Um, because nowadays, even with Facebook or using something like Hootsuite, you can go ahead and pre-populate these things ahead of time. 
Now, I say that with a word of caution, and that is you still want to add fresh things as they're happening, but you can put in a lot of that ahead of time and, and be one step ahead of the game. There's a company that I really like, and it's actually based out of Australia, called Canva.com, C-A-N-V-A. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I use, that, use that myself and for our listeners who have seen my new podcast uh, cover that's come out this week, that's exactly where I made it. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Canva is a great resource. Um, and there's two things I like about it. Number one, there are a lot of things that are free to use without having to pay anything. But number two, if you do need to buy an image, it's just a dollar. And I think a lot of pharmacies sometimes just pull images off of the internet and don't really think about it, but it actually can get you into trouble later on. So it's really worth just buying the image if you need it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, um, Scott mentioned uh, Hootsuite as well. And uh, for our listeners who aren't familiar with that, I'll pop some links on the blog site after this. And uh, it can automate your social media. So as Scott's saying, if you plan that out, um, you can literally schedule everything. So, you know, by having things in a spreadsheet, as I'm sure Scott will agree, um, you don't have to be going in there every day to post it individually. You know, and the, and the nice thing about scheduling it is that if you're having if you're having regular regular staff meetings with your with your team, you can actually hand them a copy of the social media plan and just say, hey, this is what's coming up in our pharmacy for next month. I want you to be aware of it in the event that you know, because the idea is that patients will engage you in conversation, and there's nothing worse than oh, I don't know, I didn't check the page. So it's another way to get your staff involved and get them engaged in the process as well. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, just touching on that, Scott, um, we find that, you know, a lot of people when they set up Facebook pages, they're thinking, well, if I'm not getting a heap of likes, but I might be getting quite a few impressions. If you found that there's a little bit of a trend, particularly in the pharmacy space where people may be more readers than likers or commenters. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that when you look at the when you look at Facebook, I think the most important thing is, is is if you can connect with just a handful of customers, that's better than having 15,000 likes on your page if they're all coming from the Philippines or China. That's not really going to help your business because yeah. your business isn't there. What's more important is that you're resonating with customers because the even the older patient that sees it on, on your Facebook page, they may not do anything with it, but they then may verbally tell somebody. And I think that there's a misnomer or an idea that the older population isn't on social media, but I can guarantee you if they have grandchildren, they're on social media because that's how they connect with their grandchildren. Yeah, look, it's a great tool for social connectivity and, uh, um, you know, certainly uh, it's, um, you know, offers some great opportunity to stay connected with family and family and friends. Um, Scott, so our pharmacy owner listeners and, you know, for those who have just already started a Facebook page or at least just put their name to one to, you know, claim that stake, is that the best place to start for social media? Would that be the best demographic or would there be a different platform you'd recommend? So I think this brings me to the idea of creating or of knowing who your ideal customer is or your ideal patient. And so if I, I definitely think it's a good idea to go ahead and register for different sites, even if you're not actively involved, um, so that you just have those, those, those spaces reserved for yourself. But if you're not sure where to go and you're not sure where your, your customers are, it's so simple as asking them. 
you know, when they come in to pick a prescription, ask them, hey, do you use social media? Which ones do you use? And I think you'll be surprised to find out what people say. Overwhelmingly, I'm going to go with Facebook is probably the best one. However, um, if your store sells other items like items for your home or, or gift items, I don't know if that's something that happens so much in pharmacies in Australia, but some pharmacies here in the United States have gift sections. Yeah. Something, like, something like Pinterest might be a better choice. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, again, for some of our listeners who may not be familiar with Pinterest, it really is just like a, a big cork board that people can grab images from all over the web and it can link back to your website and blog and all of that type of thing very well. Absolutely, and, and there's a second part to social media that I think sometimes pharmacists don't realize and it's, it, it brings out your inner James Bond. And what I mean by that is it's a great way to do reconnaissance work on physicians, on anyone who prescribes, if they have a Facebook page, liking their page, finding out what's going on, if they have an event that's coming up, maybe wanting to attend it or publicize it, and being just aware of what's happening around you. Because the, what's great about today is physicians, prescribers are sharing way more information that you just never had access to before because they're trying to reach out to their patients and, and future customers, and you get a glimpse of what's happening in their practice. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So with with uh, let's let's touch back on Live Oak. So was Facebook the first platform that you implemented, and you know what were was the best benefits or engagement that you found by reaching out to the physicians' networks around you and connecting with them and sharing their content? Was that the best starting strategy that you did? Absolutely, it was. Uh, of course, now at the time there wasn't as many social channels. It was really Facebook and Twitter. And so uh, Facebook was, was king for us. Uh, we used a lot of opportunities. Um, and we had a blog as well. So what we would do is, is I would create a strategy and decide, okay, these are the four blog posts I'm going to do this month. I do one a week. And then I would, those would be hosted on the, the website, but I would share those links in our Facebook feed. And then I would also use those blog posts to generate a newsletter that would go out once a month. Now, you might be saying to yourself, that seems weird, like he's just resharing the same content over and over again. But you have different audiences. The people who see it on Facebook might not see it in your newsletter. We'd also share it on Twitter as well. And the people who read Twitter are a completely different audience than the people on Facebook. I would rather have someone say, hey, you know what? I saw your article three times because that's probably never going to happen. Yeah. Um, but sharing it over and over again and then finding different ways to plug that in. The other thing that we did, which was really great, was we connected with um, other practitioners in the area and they would guest blog for us. And this is one, one of my favorites was, there was a, there's a place here in Austin called Quality Seafood. They are, uh, they're an interesting business. They're a restaurant that sells, you know, that has fish on the menu. They're also a wholesaler for many of the restaurants in town and then they sell direct to the public as well. And so I connected with uh, one of their employees, her name is Sarah, and she would write a monthly blog post for us on, on fish and, and the healthiness of eating fish. And so sometimes it might be a recipe or it just might be uh, more of a news article. And uh, we just had a lot of fun with it. And so she wrote School of Fish that came out once a month on our blog. Mm, absolutely. And again, that would have engaged very closely in the community. And most likely some of your customers may have been customers of you and, uh, and the fish business as well. 
Well, that was great because it got shared on their blog too. So we were now cross. I, I like to think of marketing really as it's like being a bee. You're all, it's all about cross pollination. Yeah. And how can how can what I do be shared with somebody else? And on top of that, it was one less blog post a month that I had to write because someone else was writing it for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, what, what we've also tried to convey as well to our pharmacy owners is that these tools that we're talking about here, Facebook, and, you know, even raising the concept of a blog, um, you know, can be quite a scary proposition. And But with the, uh, the rise of tools like WordPress.com, which, uh, you know, make it easy for you anyone to set up without needing to know any lines of code would you would you suggest wordpress is probably the best starting point for anyone looking to start a blog i'm going to go with i mean that's my my sites are built in wordpress and i definitely would say that's a great place to start um one thing i would say is you know here in the united states actually there's a overwhelming problem of a lot of pharmacies that actually don't have websites still uh which seems like a foreign concept to me um, but the other thing is you might want to look at if your website's five years old, it probably needs to be rebuilt. Yeah. Um, I don't, I apologize for not knowing what it's like in Australia, but here in the States, we have more people nowadays accessing websites from a smart device, whether it be like an iPad or an iPhone than they are from their computer. So you want to make sure that your, your site and your blog are, are mobile adaptive, meaning that it knows that it's on a smartphone and it's going to resize itself for optimal viewing. Yeah. And here's a reason why. I mean, if, I, if I'm a parent with a sick kid and I'm trying to find your pharmacy and get information and I have to pinch and zoom on my smartphone, I'm probably going to lose interest and look for the next one. Um, so you could be losing business. But I think, yeah, definitely WordPress is a way to go for, for building a blog and the the articles don't need to even be super long or in-depth because really you're not wanting them to read the blog and just have the, the knowledge. You want them to read the blog and then call you or come into your pharmacy to do business. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I'd be, uh, I'd be worried a bit that we may scratch the surface too far and need to deep dive into content marketing, which may be a completely separate episode to this, which, you know, is a significant proportion. But, you know, one thing I def did want to touch on um, today was around the type of content that you put in social media. Um, from reviewing a lot of our pharmacy um, in Australia, pharmacy owners in Australia who have got Facebook pages, and I posted those in the um, podcast a couple of weeks ago, I think there's too many things sounding like radio ads, there's too many um, push offers. Um, you know, what are generally, what maybe what you, if you could say the top three things that they should focus on in terms of content and perhaps even, you know, giving them an insight as to what type of proportion they could actually have so that they can still put offers out there, but that it becomes uh, a more holistic solution. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I will say is, is that, um, Telling stories is a, great, is a great way to engage people. People love a good story. And pharmacy has such amazing stories. You know, for example, in 1921, there was this guy named Earl Dixon who was an employee of Johnson & Johnson. And he's the guy that created the Band-Aid uh, because his wife, Josephine, was frequently cutting and burning herself in the kitchen. And gauze and adhesive tape weren't doing the, weren't doing the job. So he basically figured out this device, which we now know as the Band-Aid, and the rest is history. Yeah. But there's so many great stories to share in there. You know, 
Um, here in the United States, Coca-Cola and Dr. Pepper, both founded by pharmacies or pharmacists. Um, and all these different little things that are unique to the industry. So I think telling stories is a great thing, especially if your pharmacy's been around for you know more than 10 years. If you guys have been around for a while, stories is definitely something. Old pictures, if you have them, posting that um, is a way to definitely engage people because people like nostalgic, you know, nostalgia. Um, I think the second tip I would give is, is be a resource. Um, you know, here in the United States, pharmacists consistently are ranked as one of the top five most trusted professionals. Um, and so, you know, I encourage pharmacists to be that trusted resource. You know, share information about health and wellness, uh, especially as it pertains to what's happening in your community. But don't give all of it away. The idea, again, is to generate interest. So whether it's, should I get a flu shot, maybe it's a couple lines about, you know, it's flu season, you know, flu shots are available. If you're not sure if a flu shot is right for you, give us a call or come in the pharmacy today. Our pharmacist is more than happy to answer your questions. And re reinforming that kind of thing. Now, going back to a push thing, uh, I don't know whether you do immunizations at the pharmacy, but, you know, if you do, then this would be the opportunity to say, and you can get your flu shot at our pharmacy. Or if it's talking about being a resource about probiotics, for example, you know, talking about the, the benefits of probiotics, explaining why you might want to take one with an antibiotic, and then doing the little sales pitch at the end. But first, you're providing the resource. And second, you're letting them know that you're available to answer their questions. And then third, at the bottom, that's when you'd want to do um, your sales pitch. And then the third thing I would say would be use photos as much as possible um, or, or graphics. And going back to canva.com would be a great resource. But on Facebook, graphics and photos get more likes and more shares than just content alone. Mm. Now that's that, that's terrific advice, and you know, again, even my own personal experience with Canva, um, and geez, what a great story of an Australian company, you know, getting onto the on the global level, and to really cut it down for for that, for listeners of ours who are familiar with things like uh, all of the Adobe publishing suites and things that we've always generally just put in the too hard basket. It really is just a drag and drop um, environment, and it makes um, you know graphic design and publishing uh, accessible by anyone but now those are those are great tips um scott and you know again i i didn't know that dr pepper and coca-cola were founded by pharmacists but you know look it's a great story and i think you know a lot of um pharmacy owners that are listening probably have had their businesses for 15 20 years and you know there are some great internal stories that you know they could be sharing and you know, as it is, you don't need to, you know, just talk about stories, but have a call to action and, you know, be helpful at the end of the day, I think is really the key. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a couple of things to think about. Um, you can use hashtags now when you're using social media. And essentially, you know, the hashtag just when you click on a hashtag, it brings up other posts that are similar to that. But you can do hashtags, hashtags like Wellness Wednesday. And maybe every Wednesday is just a wellness tip. Um, Follow Friday is, you know, uh, recommending other businesses to your current uh, business, to your current followers. So maybe it's, you know, following a product that you're carrying, that you sell in your pharmacy or a complimentary business. Um, it could even be something like the, the local flower shop down the street. Um, those are kind of things that, that help you streamline and create content around existing 
uh, awareness that people on social media already know about. Yeah, absolutely. And Scott, you know, obviously, you know, now that we are in this hybrid of physical and digital world, um, what tips could you give our listeners around um, trying to be as, I guess, transparent and also consistent across the platforms? And should it be the pharmacy owners that are generating the content or, you know, what suggestions perhaps could you make to obviously make that a little bit easier for them? Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with with finding someone on your staff that has a knack for this and and giving this as part of their assignment. What I would say first off is make sure that you have a social media policy uh, within your pharmacy. And you can Google that to see what other companies have done. But essentially, you just want to have a policy that says, these are our gu- guidelines. I wouldn't make it more than a page long. But you know, like we don't give medical advice on Facebook. We don't answer patients' direct questions about rashes or things like that. We, we encourage them to call the pharmacy or come in. Um, you know, just the, the rights and wrongs of, of what is acceptable. Uh, then if you do have someone uh, that's not the owner, you know, creating these, these posts, this is where I would definitely encourage doing it ahead of time and letting the owner read everything first just to make sure that they're, they're fine with it because ultimately it's their license on the line. So they want to be engaged in it. I would not recommend from, for any marketing of your pharmacy just to turn that blindly over to someone else. Uh, you want to be making sure that you're looking at all of it uh, so that you know what's being said about your business. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and the frequency, you know, how how frequently should we be doing it? I think, you know, having looked at, you know, those, those 25, 30 Facebook pages of Australian pharmacies, probably the biggest concern was consistency. So again, we've spoken about automation and scheduling those posts, but um, you know, what on what frequency, you know, do you think is acceptable so that, you know, we're not giving people too much? Well, I, you know, I think that there's, there's no, so, no such thing as too much information, uh, in my opinion. But one thing I would recommend first off is, is, again, when you're talking to your patients about which social channels they use, I also kind of ask them about their habits. Um, I recommend posting at high traffic times. So I know for myself, the first thing I do in the morning when I wake up out of bed is I check my phone. Um, and I see what's going on. So, you know, you might want to do schedule a post at 6 or 7 a.m. in the morning. Then again at lunchtime. Um, and then maybe once people get home from work or, or later in the evening. Uh, one of the things that we did that was, I thought, kind of clever was we had uh, some homeopathic remedies for um, infants who are teething and waking up late at night. And so I would schedule posts at like three o'clock in the morning that was like, does your infant have you up crying because of a tooth coming in? Come into Live Oak Pharmacy when we open tomorrow and ask us about product XYZ. Mm. And, you know, I don't know that uh, it got us a ton of traffic, but it was easy to do because I scheduled it. So it wasn't like I was up at 3 a.m. posting it. And I thought it was kind of clever because you don't know who's surfing the web at 3 o'clock in the morning. And you're probably not going to have a lot of competition with other businesses at that time. Um, and chances are someone is up looking at, at the Internet because it's you know, open 24 hours a day. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, Scott, I guess for, for some of the doubters, and I know that we do have them, and um, you know, in some of our previous episodes, I spoke about Twitter and even how my father, who's a pharmacy owner in his mid-60s, couldn't understand the purpose of Twitter. And then, you know, once I was able to explain the purpose of it and see it as a newsfeed engine, automatically the engagement came in. But And we've seen recently that the population of the world is now the third largest country in the world is Facebook. So for the doubters out there that are thinking, is this just still a fad? Is it going to go away? How relevant was it to your customers at Live Oak? And you know, again, could you share any of the great um, success stories or results that you had from some of your social media campaigns? I, I'm going to tell you right now, social media is, is not a fad, um, and it's not going to go away. You can kick and scream and hope that it will, but as we get more and more connected to one another, it's going to become more and more uh, relevant to the, the social scape, and being able to actually even make purchases um, through social media has already started and will continue. Um, with regards to the impact it had on, on growing the business, I will tell you that um, in, in the time that Live Oak Pharmacy was, was open, um, we were on every single news channel. We were, uh, we were listed as a style pick in one of the monthly style uh, local magazines in Austin. I mean, what, kind of, what pharmacy has been listed as a style pick? Um, and part of that was because we really integrated ourselves into the community. And, of course, the sto- you know, you, I think we've talked about in the past where you want to make sure that your online presence matches your, your internal presence. And we shared a lot of the stores so people got to see it and it was a beautiful store. So it just really engaged people. And we encouraged people to engage with us. And I think that is a lot of place where people forget that, that the power of social. Not only are you pushing out content, but you're asking for it in return. Um, and so people knew that, that we were the place to go for sharing information. So. We actually did a couple campaigns. There was a, a documentary called Cancer Pants that was done about a young woman in Austin who found out uh, she actually wanted to get pregnant and found out that she um, had breast cancer in both of her breasts and ended up having a double mastectomy. And so we put together um, a product that we sold called Benef- Benefiting Bath Salts where 50% of the proceeds went to um, help fundraise for the film as well as donate to a local nonprofit here in town called the Mama Jamma Ride for Breast Cancer. And so we did videos, really simple, on the iPhone, interviewing the director, interviewing the young woman who had breast cancer, and interviewing the executive director of the ride, talking about why it was important to get engaged, uh, why it was important to buy these bath salts because it raised money for a good cause, and why it's important to sort of support businesses that support the community. And I think that was one of the proudest things that we did and accomplished through social media. What, to me, the most important thing about social media is it gives you the opportunity to connect with your patients and customers in a way that you never had before because you couldn't afford to be on television or you could radio. And now you can do all of this. You can have your own podcast show if you want and, and do a monthly show about health-related topics. Um, you can go ahead and write your own you know, newsletter in a blog format and push that out. Heck, you can even create your own magazine. Uh, if you wanted to, because now you have this opportunity um, to really not just be a pharmacy owner, but to be an expert in healthcare. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I guess the most shocking thing is that I hope that our listeners can take away is what kind of budget did you set for that, Scott? And how much did it cost you to get that kind of exposure? Zero dollars, not including my labor of doing it. You know, the reality is, is that social media truly is free when it comes to um, actual money. Now, it does take time, which, which is obviously money as well. Um, but that's why as I got smarter at it, I started planning ahead and really dedicating a couple hours a month to planning out that entire next month um, to the point where the more I did it, the quicker I got, the faster it was for me to do. I could see what kind of things were generating interest, which things weren't generating interest, and make course corrections. So the, the more you do it, the faster it'll get, the better you'll get at it, and it'll take less time. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And, you know, for those of us who are familiar with the costs of our offline marketing, uh, might be catalogs that may be, you know, costing us 150 per thousand to distribute, not to mention the production costs and local newspaper advertisements, which might even be $1,200 for one issue for half a page. Um, you know, we can certainly be connecting with the right demographic of people um, through social media. And um, I suppose another aspect of it which has come up controversially more recently is that Facebook have made it harder for you to connect with people and get people to see you on their news feeds if you're not advertising. Just really quickly, Scott, um, how have you seen those Facebook ads? Obviously, you can target a specific area, uh, age bracket, a demographic, but uh, did you have much experience with that? You know, I, I've never really... No, I haven't. And the reason why is just the... The keywords with pharmacy tend here in the States anyway to elicit um, bad images of like Canadian pharmacies or generic Viagra and all that kind of malarkey. So I didn't really do any targeted uh, advertising. But what I will tell you that's really interesting um, is if you go into the, the creation of an ad, you can actually put in your demographics that you're interested in and you'll just see the sheer number of people that fit that demographic, which in my, in my guess would prove to you that it's worthwhile being on Facebook. Um, and that's why I say don't just rely on Facebook. Create a blog, create an electronic newsletter, have different avenues to spread that information out um, because it's not, it's not a case of if you build it, they will come. It's if you build it, they might come, but you really have to be engaged and sharing that information in multiple channels to uh, encourage as many people as possible to see it. Also, if you have the capability on your receipts to put a message on there, you know, putting a message on the bottom of it, follow us on Facebook, and then putting your Facebook link, um, or you know, follow us on Twitter. And one thing to keep in mind, uh, you may or may not know this, but you actually don't have to type out facebook.com. You can actually just type out fb.com forward slash whatever the name of your, your business is um, to make that URL much shorter and fit on a receipt nicely. Yeah, absolutely. Look, look, that's a great tip for the receipts because we do only get uh, probably even less than 140 characters that you get on Twitter to fit on a receipt um, bottom. So that, that's, that's, a, that's a great tip. And I think, I think tying that together, Scott, is that you know pharmacists have been the center of our communities for ever and a day back in the 1800s, 1700s. And we've always been that center and a health destination for 
advice and service and people have been connecting socially in that regard much, much earlier than the advent of social media. And really, um, having our pharmacies in social media, on the web, in blogs, is really just probably paying respect to where our community is right now and that it can actually be a lot bigger than just the three or four miles or kilometres around our stores. Absolutely. You know, I used to joke around, or I've joked around with pharmacy owners here in the States and said, you know, we used to have soda fountains in our pharmacy. Well, that soda fountain is now just on Facebook. That's the community center where people come and instead of getting a soda pop, now they're getting good information. Uh, but it's the community water cooler, if you will, for, for your pharmacy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Scott, we might finish with my favorite question, and I love asking this one, is that what, what would you say um, from a technology standpoint is the biggest game-changing technology, and maybe we'll pick social media for that niche, that if time and resources were no barrier, uh, what would you love to implement in pharmacies today? Oh, gosh. You know, it's actually more of a a person than a thing and that's that I would love for every uh, pharmacy to have a dedicated sales and marketing person um, to be able to to push out this this kind of information and and represent the pharmacy I think that uh, you know pharmacists actually need someone on their team that is going to be that mouthpiece so that you know the pharmacist can of course do their job and be a pharmacist but has someone reputable that just really focuses on getting the information out being the the conduit between the public and the pharmacist and help drive that traffic into the stores and drive prescribers to the pharmacist as that healthcare professional. Yeah, no, I think that's that's smart advice. And again, through the advent of the low cost entry that we're looking at, particularly with social media, particularly in starting up a very basic blog, um, you know, they can start to test the waters to see how it goes and obviously if it starts to motor and get momentum you know it may even be that there's someone who that special talent already in the pharmacy that's itching to get into that role so i think great advice uh, scott it's been great having you on the program um i'd love to continue the conversation i think we could have gone into many different formats and certainly content marketing is a massive area that I think all of our pharmacy owners should be looking at a lot more. Um, but great having you on the show and look forward to having you back in the not too distant future. Thank you very much for having me and uh, hopefully we can do one of these shows face to face. I'm itching to get back to Australia. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll, I'll lock it in. Well, I think we're really just scratching the surface there on marketing in pharmacy. And um, I'd be interested to get some feedback from you as to whether you'd like me to get Scott back on to do another session on content marketing. There's a number of speakers, local and also the US, that I think would benefit everyone greatly because as we can all appreciate, all the tools in the world, blogs, social media, are all great advocates for technology and also communication, but we need to actually be able to construct a proper message and something representative of our individual brands to do that. So if that's something that you guys are wanting, please hit me up on Twitter, LinkedIn, email, R-S-Z-T-A-R at farmactive.com.au and we'll make it happen. All right, so three key learnings that I got from that. Well, it was really hard to actually condense it down into three key learnings. There were just so many things coming out of that that I think would benefit all of us. But I did manage to condense it down to three. Number one, which I am still astonished and shaking my head at, 
is that did we know what a crucial role pharmacists played in the commercialization of soda and soft drink for that matter? Did we know that essentially they were medicinal products that were developed and um, were able to, and pharmacists were able to bring those things to market and in later life, as we can all appreciate now at all our convenience stores, supermarkets, these products have been probably the largest selling products in the world. So Dr. Pepper, founded by Charles Alterton in, 19, in 1885, uh, would you believe that? Coca-Cola, 1886, by another pharmacist called John Pemberton. And also even 7-Up, which, which was probably not that, that proliferation in Australia. We're not actually probably having as many of that, that product here. But it's also been created originally to contain a mood stabilizing drug as lithium citrate. So there's a huge pharmacy history that we could be telling our listeners and also our followers in our pharmacies. And these would be great stories to actually be putting in. And not to say that any of us has probably founded a product as big as that. But I think all of us have got individual stories. I think a lot of us have got pharmacies that we've had for 15, 20 years. And there's some great stories that come out of it going backwards. How did the pharmacy originate? What was the original format? Some pharmacies I know have been through two or three generations. There's some great stories that we could be telling people. So enough of that. That's almost me on my soapbox in a way. But I just think that that'll make great stories and content for our social media and blogs and so forth. The second, be a resource. We're in the US, as, as uh, Scott indicated, we're in the top five most trusted professionals. And in Australia, we're probably number one or number two just behind the nurses, depending on uh, what time of year they run the poll, obviously. So we, we really are in a very trusted, authoritative position, and it's important that we use that to generate the right type of content and information that goes out to our patients. So flu vaccinations, which Scott spoke about, is a good way to get call to action. We can talk about the benefits of it and get people in to have the vaccinations. There's some great work happening with the trials in southeast Queensland. And, you know, it'd be great to obviously be conveying that to our customers in the messages. We spoke about a couple of episodes ago about different messages that we can put across in Facebook other than just telling people that we've got some product on sale at a certain price. I think this would be a great one and it could be really measured to see what kind of call to action you get as well. The third one, using photos and graphics has never been more accessible to us. There's a great Australian company, as I mentioned in the in the interview, I use it myself, canva.com, C-A-N-V-A. I'll put it on um, the blog site as well so you can access it. But those of us who have struggled to find images and craft the right messages, and we see some great ones. If you go through any of your social media accounts, you'll find that there are plenty of people that generate some great graphics with quotes and appropriate images. And for a dollar, these, these images are quite accessible and cheap as well. So that's really a great way to do it. And underlining it all, really, we're just about committing to a strategy that we can maintain. It's something that, as we spoke about in the, in the interview, once you come up with a strategy and where you're going to put content out and how you're going to do it and how often, you can automate that out. And it doesn't mean that you as the pharmacy owner need to do it. You can get someone to map that out. You check it off, vet it, make sure you're comfortable with it. And then a tool like Hootsuite, and again, that'll be on the blog site for you to have a look at, can drip that out to your customers 
in conjunction with some offers. We're not saying that social media and blogs and things is all about no product and no price, but at the end of the day, we need to be understanding what our customers are looking to get done. And what they're looking to get done is that they wanna solve their health problems, they wanna feel better and have the freedom to enjoy their lives. We've gotta give that to them, and if we can wrap that up in a package that includes some products that are beneficial, fantastic. Our micro transformation this week will be Office 365. Some weeks ago, we'll be really talking about Dropbox, Google Drive, and how both of them could be very well used in your business together. Well, I'm gonna add Office 365 and why I think that's a valuable tool for you to have in your business as well as the other two. We'll also do a little comparison because you may be getting confused a little bit as to what they all do and what some of them cross over and can you only use one absolutely you can only use you can use one probably the best comparison between office 365 is with google apps which we spoke about some weeks ago you may also have just got hold of that episode and that micro transformation as i've started to put out those micro transformations in isolation on the soundcloud playlist so if you are listening to the total podcast via itunes if you'd like to just listen to the micro transformations going a few episodes back, head across to SoundCloud and through the playlist function, you can just listen to the micro transformations and that might just be when it's relevant to you. So you don't need to download the one hour episode and have to scroll all the way through to the micro transformation. You can get hold of that individually as well, which is now available. So, what is Office 365? Well, Office 365, as you'd probably guess, is made by Microsoft, and it's really Office in the, in the future. So, it's cloud-based. So, we've spoken a lot about cloud and what that means. So, it basically means that it's not installed on your computer. Uh, so, it can function only in the cloud, which is where you have, wherever you have an internet connection. The reason why I think everyone should benefit from it, at least one license in each pharmacy, is that by having an Office 365 subscription, it does give you unlimited access. Well, when I say unlimited, it's not unlimited. You can't download it for 500 people and get away with it. But it does give you up to five devices that you can load Office and the current Office, as in the desktop version, on your computer as well. So where in the past we may have been going to Harvey Norman or JB Hi-Fi or even through our pharmacy technology providers um, been getting copies and licenses of Microsoft Office and needed to upgrade, Office 365 gives you the opportunity to download the most recent copy of Office on your computer using that platform as well. And obviously it's important that that integrates well with the cloud version. So if you decide to edit a Word document or create a Word document on your computer, you are able to synchronize that back up to the cloud so that you can access it through Office 365 platform using a tool that's provided called OneDrive. And OneDrive, much the same as Google Drive and Dropbox offers file synchronization. And like Dropbox and also Google Apps, it does have a personal and a business version of it as well. So you can separate your personal documents from your business documents as well, which is quite good. Now I might also add that the true benefits of Office 365 are best experienced if you are a Windows user. It's 
only been offered to Mac users to make sure that Mac users didn't exit Microsoft Office in a rapid rate because it was just too hard for it to work with. I think if you speak to any Mac user, and I'm, I'm certainly one myself, um, particularly in, in my business being farm active, but in the pharmacies, we're using Windows because of obviously restrictions around where our dispense and point of sales can only function on Windows-based platforms. So depending on your mix and what you use personally and from a business point of view, majority of us will be using Windows in the pharmacy and that's where our conversation is today because that's what we're talking about in building our 21st century pharmacies. So effectively, all of us will probably have Office. We often wonder how we're going to get Office accessible across all of our computers in the pharmacy. And this is a way you, you can do that quite comfortably. Obviously, if you've got a number of PCs in your pharmacy, you may need more than one Office 365 license. But it's a really good way and I think the most economical way of keeping your Office updated. Generally speaking, the most um, indicative package is about $14 a month, which when you look at it over the course of 12 months, it's not a huge amount of money. We're talking maybe $180, $200 a year, and that's generally what we've been spending in upgrades for Office anyway. Plus, you get the benefit of cloud, synchronization, everything else I'm going to talk about today. The good thing is when we look at um, the applications, we spoke about using Google Apps for our pharmacy operations manual. You can absolutely do the same thing with Office 365. It probably has even the additional benefit of you not needing to actually convert the files that come from Quality Care Fast Track, which are generally all in Microsoft Word format. So you don't have to worry about how Google are going to convert it into their Google Docs format. If, um, that, if that's not something I mentioned last time. So it, it's quite good because it does have a representation exactly from Quality Care Fast Track. It does enable you to collaborate around those documents between users of your pharmacy. So you can set up multiple accounts and users so that your key people and pharmacists as well um, can also access those and edit them as well. So that's quite useful um, for you as well. In terms of version control, not as good as Google Docs. Um, some of us who are more familiar with the desktop version of Microsoft, we're quite familiar with things like track changes. So whenever you have more than one person working on a document, you can enable a function called track changes and you can see who's done what to a document. Um, Office 365 doesn't deal with that quite well in a cloud environment. If you're always dealing in the desktop version uh, as opposed to the cloud version, um, you know, absolutely you will have that functionality. But if you do want to use it on mobility devices like iPhones, iPads, Androids, Windows phones, you're not going to see those track changes on those devices. So typically then your editing will be limited to a desktop version, which may suit you as well. And of course, for, those, for our listeners who are not really that comfortable with actually working in an internet-based platform, this could work really well for you because you can work, get the best of both worlds, work in a desktop environment with the full knowledge that your desktop documents are being backed up to the cloud as well and made available wherever you need them as well. So it does work for all sorts and it does also fit in depending on what you need in your pharmacy. And that's really what we're trying to do here is that we will find that some solutions will be better for some and, than others. It all depends on really what you're trying to achieve and what kind of workflow you'd love to have in your pharmacy. And if you can have a vision of that, the technology can easily make it possible. 
Um, I will also mention that there are iPhone and iPad apps, um, which, you know, again, for those of us who are using those types of devices, um, they are quite limited um, as far as those applications are concerned compared to the Google Docs equivalent. And I think typically the, the, the native platform tends to get the best use of their technology. So for example, you get the best Google Apps experience if you're using a Android device quite simply because it's Android is a Google platform. If you're using the, um, the Mac office suite of pages and numbers and so forth, you get the best um, features and experience via iOS or Apple devices. And obviously Apple as well, and we may discuss this in a future episode, are trying to do a lot around their iCloud to compete with Google Apps, Office 365, um, as well. So again, I think they're probably uh, about third in line. If I had to rank them, I would still rank Google Apps above um, Office 365, but that's my personal opinion. And I'll continue to keep going through what I think the benefits are of 365 because I do use it myself for the reasons that I'm outlining today. Um, But again, I've got to also let you know what I think is limited as well. You do also get access to other products, which you'd be used to in a office or organization suite. You get access to email, so outlook.com. Some of us who, who had old Hotmail addresses or still use them have now been converted to outlook.com and that works for your business email as well, which again can be accessed via Microsoft Exchange Online, which basically allows you to receive your mail on any device, anywhere, anytime without needing to maintain what would have had to have been needed at least five or ten years ago a server that managed all your emails which could have you know cost you tens of thousands of dollars so the cost of this technology has plummeted at a massive rate and that's all on the back of the efficiency of the cloud I can't underline that enough for you so you get teleconferencing you get access to Skype obviously for business Um, There's another application called SharePoint, which allows you to put all your documents in one place and share them around. But I think that's probably going to be superseded by OneDrive. I think it's probably going to have some um, indication together. SharePoint was really um, an intranet-based website, which if those of us who could have afforded it in the past, and the costs were quite high to actually run it and also you needed a special server to do it, um, it could be like an internal website that you may have in your business where your team and your staff can go to and find documents and resources and pull them down to their individual computers. But I think there's better collaborative um, platforms, even within Office 365, to do that through OneDrive and so forth. Um, So again, obviously you get email as well. Um, So I think realistically, where we're looking at the best experience for Office 365, if you're in this environment, is if you have a Windows um, platform that you're using in the pharmacy, Perhaps if you're using Windows Phone, uh, again, you'll get a much more enhanced experience if you're doing that. And if you're using Windows tablets like Surface uh, Pro or even the uh, the uh, um, customer version as well, which is a lower one. So depending on where you're at in terms of how far advanced you are in terms of Apple's ecosystem or Google or Android's ecosystem can depend on what the best benefit from Office 365. If you are Microsoft all the way through, you will get the best benefits from Office 365 and their product has evolved that way. 
But if you do happen to use a mix of them, there's often features and benefits that you can get out of it as well. And, and certainly I've found that um, you know Office 365 does play a role even for me and I really don't use Microsoft Windows or any Microsoft devices. Um, but Office uh, as a product in PowerPoint, Word and Excel, some of the functions, particularly Excel, can't be beaten. So by any product that's out there at the moment. If you're using very basic spreadsheets, documents, Google's great for that. But as soon as you want to do some higher, um, more powerful stuff, particularly with spreadsheets, you do need Office. So it's a role to play. But as we're finding on this journey of ours, with particularly through going through all the file synchronization products and Office suites, it's just being aware of all the features and benefits and making the right decision for you and your pharmacy. Thanks again, guys. Have a great week and I look forward to speaking to you next week.